What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast Podcast. Today, we're talking some NBA trade deadline, and we're going to talk, first and foremost, about some of the most impactful trades in the NBA across the last season. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Carson, how are we doing? I'm doing great, but I'm really excited to see how Griffin's doing, because this trade deadline helped and my boy out. <laughs> <laughs> We had to, I got to ask, how are the hopes, uh, how, how high are you feeling right now? Can we get much higher, Liam? I'm so, <laughs> so high. It's so, I'm so excited. Like, you know, I was feeling down the dumps four weeks ago. I want to blow it up. And now I can't even believe my life. It's amazing how that turned around. I mean, it really seems like you're the sun's windows mm-hmm. officially closed i mean chris paul definitely looked like he took like you know a step down just because you know age is inevitable but oh yeah now it's like all of a sudden you guys i feel like you and the nuggets you guys are right there mm-hmm. at the top you guys are the mm-hmm. no yeah absolutely crazy i mean it's it's insane we'll get to that but we're going to start talking about like the best trades of the last like 15 years uh kind of growing in chronological order i kind of want to revisit some of them especially with the magnitude of this Kevin Durant trade. It's going to take a long time till we see how, you know, it affects, even if the Suns, let's say, go out and win a championship this year. It's going to take a while for us to see if the Nets return was, you know, as promised or, you know, as what they thought it would be. So um, the first, you know, one of the biggest trades of the last 15 years has to be Chris Paul to the Los Angeles Clippers, previously vetoed from the Lakers, um, he gets traded to the New Orleans Hornets, who are now the Pelicans. Uh, Chris Paul goes over for two 2015 second-round draft picks. Uh, those draft picks turned out to be nothing uh, of note. None of those guys were contributors in the NBA at all. And uh, the Hornets received Eric Gordon, Alfred Camino, Chris Kamen, and Minnesota's unprotected 2012 first-rounder, which became Austin Rivers. Um, let's just kind of dive into this. I mean – a huge trade, you know, that kind of changed the course of the Clippers franchise. Uh, you know, sure, Gordon was good in his first early years, but Chris Paul's an all-NBA, you know, legendary point guard. He's on your team now, so how about you start us off? Uh, yeah. This trade, you know, I now mean, mindset. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, back in the day uh, when the Suns were really bad and I was, like, pretty young – uh, the Clippers were my favorite team for one and one reason only because Blake Griffin and I shared a name uh, and I matured a little bit, but I was a Clippers fan back in the day when this trade happened and I was excited. Um, but, uh, you know, what makes this trade not as successful as trades we'll talk about further um, is that they never they never won a championship, but the Clippers were so historically bad that getting a Hall of Fame point guard and pairing that with, you know, uh, at the time, an up-and-coming star player in Blake Griffin um, elevated the Clippers to relevancy, which they had not had uh, really ever in their uh, history. So overall, uh, Liam Liam gave uh, grades, uh, and I like the grades that you gave uh, specifically for this trade. Uh, Clippers getting an A and the Hornets getting a C+. Like, Eric Gordon was good, but, you know, the rest, like, it kind of propelled them kind of proto-tanking, um, and it got them, you know, Anthony Davis, but uh, I, I, I like the grades for both, and I, I I like the Chris Paul trade for the Clippers, obviously, so. Yeah, Carson, what about your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, the point, 
you make, Griffin, about how it ended up kind of like it really did put them in a position to get Anthony Davis. And I mean, you know, it's not like Anthony Davis really accomplished anything in, in New Orleans. It's not like they really had much going on with him. But I mean, it did end up getting them, you know, franchise guys. That's something. But yeah, I just remember like, you know, really getting into the NBA, like, yeah, like 2010 range. And this and like the Carmelo trade were really like the two first big, like, massive blockbuster trades that I, you know, really remembered um, just of, of being a, a big fan of, of following all the time. And, you know, he had, you know, Chris Paul had the whole thing with the Lakers. That seems really crazy to look back on now, considering, like, I feel like in an era of player empowerment where, like, the players just really control wherever and wherever they want to go. I feel like the players, for the most part, get whatever they want in terms of, like, where they want to go in trades. It's crazy to look back and be like, you know, David Stern, like, straight up said, no, like, you are not going to play with Kobe. We're not letting this happen. And then instead he went to the other L.A. team and, and, you know, that, that Clippers team will definitely go down as uh, you know, one, one of the disappointments just because they, they were so talented. They never ended up winning anything, but they were such a fun watch. And, you know, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, you know, really prominent memories of, of watching them. You know, Lob, I mean, Lob City was was box office. It was super, super fun. Um, and definitely, you know, the Hornets not really getting anything memorable from this trade is is, is pretty, pretty tough. But for the Clippers, huge win. I mean, because the Clippers really, I mean, this is really their only relevant time in NBA history, to be honest. I mean, they had like a slight little run in 2006. And, and obviously now they have Kawhi PG. I mean, that's something, but they haven't really done anything either. So this was definitely a big moment for the Clippers franchise, really kind of legitimizing them as like, okay, like, you know, we're, we're decent here. Like we got something. Yeah. And I mean, the reason why I didn't give this an A plus is because like they didn't do enough. If they made even just the finals appearance, I would have said this is a clear-cut A-plus trade because you could just say, like, they can't beat talent, you know, at the end of the day. That's, you know, superior to them. But And the Hornets only getting a C-plus. Like, sure, they ended up getting AD out of it, and then we'll get to the AD trade that they eventually got a huge haul, which is making them, you know, perennial contenders uh, from here on out. But, you know, Eric Gordon never amassed anything. Al Aminu was just a role player, and Chris came and played one season on this Hornets team before he moved on. So, uh, Griffin, I think you had a point to mention. Yeah, it was just kind of – it kind of sucks because they were at the tail end of the Spurs dynasty, kind of towards the tail end, and the Warriors started up right as they were getting going. So it's just unfortunate because if they were maybe in a different era, this team probably would have accomplished a lot more. But they were caught between two really significant all-time basketball teams, and it's just unfortunate that they, they never accomplished anything. But still, you know – they, they they propelled the Clippers to relevancy that they continue to have now. So overall, we, hey, we were waiting on that Warriors Clippers. You oh know, yeah, totally. Conference finals, but then the Rockets came in. Josh Smith came in and ruined that. What a legend! What a legend! Yeah. So kind of moving on to you know huge stars, we got to take a big jump. Uh, I believe this was uh, 2018. Uh, we have Kawhi Leonard, you know, he has the whole saga in San Antonio, as we were mentioning, in this tail end of the dynasty. Uh, he requests the trade out. He gets shipped to Toronto uh, with uh, Danny Green, who, you know, uh, at the time, I mean, just a couple of years before, before, like, Clay really burst onto the scene, he was the best, probably, like, pure 3 and D guy in the league, you know. Like, he had finals records, and uh, you know, against the Heat and all that stuff. 
but him and Kawhi would go to the Raptors in exchange for DeMar, uh, Jakub Pertl, in a top 20 protected 2019 first round pick, which you think, oh, top 20, that's not anything. That actually turned out to be Keldon Johnson, uh, who's one of the best, you know, young wings. Yeah, really. I think we all really like him. I think mm-hmm. he's pretty good. So uh, for this, I gave the Raptors an A. Uh, it can't be an A plus in my opinion because he simply just like hit it and quit it in Toronto. You know, he led them to a chip, but he didn't stay, and their franchise has been in limbo ever since. And uh, for the Spurs, I mean, Demar kind of walked for nothing. You know, he headed to Chicago, but I think the fact that they were able to get Keldon Johnson and eventually a first round pick from Jakob Pertl, which happened just last week. Uh, for a guy that wanted out and an aging guard, uh, I think that was fine enough to give a B grade to. So, uh, Carson, I'll start with you this time. What do you think about the whole Kawhi trade? Um, I mean, for me, I gotta give it an A plus. I mean, they won the they won the goddamn championship. I mean, I get your reasoning. I, I totally get it because like it, it didn't set their franchise back all too much because I, I don't know the Raptors are such a weird team. I, they're you know they definitely really disappointed this year, but I still like a lot of the guys on the roster. So. I, I feel like they're not too far out from, from being good again, but just a crazy, just like home run swing. I mean, really just respect the balls of Masai Ujiri, you know, really just cementing himself as like, you know, one of those upper echelon front office guys. Cause like, you know, with DeMar, with Kyle Lowry, they were really just stuck in limbo. And, you know, as soon as LeBron leaves, as soon as the, you know, Toronto Raptors owner, LeBron James leaves uh, the Eastern <laughs> conference, Masai's like, look, like it's wide open now. Like, you know, like Thanos, he's gone. Like we have an opportunity. We've been stuck in limbo with DeMar and, uh, and Lowry. Like, let's go out here and get like, there, there's, there's only so many like upper echelon, like, you know, top five, top 10, whatever, you know, championship winning guys out there. And one of them was Kawhi and he was just out there, you know, looking to be traded and they went for it. And I have a ton of respect for that, that they, you know, they really sent it and they ended up ended up paying off because Kawhi went super saying he was absolutely dominant the whole playoff run. And like I said, just just really, really respect it because you don't really see these kind of trades all that often. I feel like a, a comp for this would definitely be like the, the Matt Stafford trade in, you know, to the Rams. You know, they, they went for it. You know, they were so close. So, you know, so many years. And they, there was just that one, you know, that one piece they were missing and they went for it. They sold their soul for the championship. They got it. And then you have to deal with the repercussions after, but at the end of the day, you wouldn't trade that championship for anything. And I think that's that's the craziest part about this one. Is it, it was a one and done, it was a hit and quit it, but Toronto wouldn't trade it for anything because you know winning the championship is everything. Yeah. So Griffin. Yeah, I I definitely agree along those lines. It's just to me, it's one of the most unique uh NBA blockbuster trades we've probably ever had, just in regards to the star not really wanting to go to the destination that they're that they're heading to like Toronto like I totally understand it from their perspective like Masai like totally I get it like as a fan of a team who has never won a championship and the Raptors never won a championship before that like I totally get it like I would I would trade anything for that and they got it like they won out like I agree with the A right um but still the longevity piece there um, I think it's kind of a lesson that other teams have been learning where uh, you've got to make sure that the star that you're trading for kind of wants to be there long term. Um, and we, we learned it. We learned it in this trade that Kawhi did not want to be there. Also, he is very like um, aloof 
uh, and it's kind of hard to get a read on him. So, like, you never know. Like, you could have tried to won him, o- won him over, but still. Um, and I agree with uh, kind of both your points about uh, the Spurs. Like, they got back some good pieces with Kelvin Johnson, Jakob Pertl. They kind of flipped that this year, kind of embraced the full tank. So, yeah, um, I'm on board with both of you guys' opinions on that. Yeah, it's just like – I think this trade would be completely different for the Spurs. Like, they had a Hail Mary in drafting Kelvin Johnson in the last three picks of that draft because that is maybe the most stacked last three picks of a draft you've ever seen. Jordan Poole, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., and Kelvin Johnson. That's just, like, you don't see talent like that from, like, 28 through 30. So, mm-hmm. I, this is probably will go down as the most – it might be one of the most famous draft trades even over Kobe Bryant from the Charlotte Hornets, in my opinion. Uh, Luka Doncic and uh, Trey Young are swapped for each other on draft night uh, with the Mavericks trading a, I believe it was, oh no, it was just a regular 2019 first rounder uh, to get uh, to trade Trey Young and go up and get Luka Doncic. I mean, the ramifications of the trade are insane to think about how Atlanta could have had themselves, you know, one of the best young players and probably one of the best players we will ever see in this league in Luka Doncic. And at first, this trade looked promising like it was fair when Trey had made that Eastern Conference Finals. But now Luka's got a Western Conference Finals under his belt. Cam Reddish didn't turn into really anything. He's been kind of, uh, you know, given up on. He needs to be like a reclamation project. I He didn't get moved, which didn't make a lot of sense. Did he get moved? He's on the Blazers now. Oh, yeah, he's on the Blazers. So another reclamation project for the Blazers to deal with. But, um, yeah. Griffin, uh, I'll start off with you. Just this is I mean, one of the trades we've seen in a lot. Yeah, of yeah, this is a crazy trade. Draft draft day especially, yeah. But, I mean, I really wish Luka was in the East, dog. Like, get him, get him out of the West. Like, he has tormented my soul. Get him out of here. But, yeah. like, oh, my God. Like, just – Take it from the Mavs' perspective. This is a home run. Luka is like a potential top 10 player of all time if he continues on the trajectory that he's been going on. Um, but Trey Young, um, I haven't watched the, the Hawks too like closely this year, but like from what I'm seeing, it seemed like his, uh, his uh, statistics have gone down a little. Um, and his three as well. Yeah, and his efficiency has definitely gone down. I... I I haven't always been that high on Trey Young. I don't think he's a bad player by any means, but I wouldn't say, like, if you close your eyes and think of a winning player, I wouldn't call Trey Young that. Um, and I, I don't know. Just don't love it for the Hawks, especially in hindsight. You know, especially, like, like that Eastern Conference Finals run they had was special, but I think that maybe gave people a different um, idea of what this Hawks team could be going forward. And now that they're not meeting – those heights and those expectations, people are kind of disappointed. Yeah. Carson, uh, I mean. He, he... Yeah, not much Not much else to add. I just like the fact that the Mavericks knew, they, they knew what Luka was going to be, and they, they went for it. And to, to, you know, to make this trade and not even really give up all that much to get Luka. I mean, literally, like, it, it's crazy to think, like, you know, for them to trade – Luca basically just for for Trey Young and Cam Reddish. Like you think about that now. Like if we know what we know now, and that was the trade, it's like holy shit. Like the Mavericks, you know, mm-hmm. please, please, you know, and and it, like, but this was back before we even knew what any of these guys were gonna be yet. 
just crazy. I mean, this will really go down as like, and, and it's funny because you you have to think about the Kings part of this too. You know, they don't even take Luca; they take Bagley, who meant nothing to them. And now it's like, now I feel like the, the, for me, the Kings are better than the Mavericks right now. Which is, I mean, who knows how long that's going to last? I'm not sure they have Luca over the course of you know a decade or whatever. But it's just funny how that ended up working as of this season. You know, the Kings are better. Um, Trey, you know doesn't play any defense. He has some really glaring holes. You know, it doesn't really seem like he's that fun to play with. Doesn't play any defense. When the shot's not there, not really getting much from him off the ball. Um, with that being said, I think when he's on, he he really is like, a, like, you know, all-star with great, great, great offensive talent. But yeah, this is, this is just insane. We're going to be the NBA TV, you know, the 2018 draft doc in, you know, 20, 30 years, you know, it's going to hit like crazy and we're, it's going to be hyped up. Like, you know, how the hell did the Mavericks do this? How did they let this happen? Yeah. And I mean, like you were saying, like we didn't know at the time, like Luca had tons of question marks, mainly because he had the, you know, the European, you know, like label on him. Like sure. Like all oh, those guys playing overseas, like those guys are soft. They're this, they're that. When like, he's really one of those crafty like players we've seen in like, he is very emulent of what Harden was when he was in, you know, Houston, the way that he can score and how creative he is. And, you know, the way that he can just have such a high usage percentage and, you know, be as good as he is. And now he's got to drop that usage percentage because we'll get into it later. He's got a pretty great teammate with him now. But um, I think, well, one thing I do want to mention real quick is I feel like, you know, it's still going to be an A-plus for the Mavericks. But I'm just very, very, very interested to see, like, I feel like if the Mavericks don't get a championship out of him, because I, I really don't trust the Mavericks all that much to consistently put a great team around Luka. Um, I, I feel like, you know, you know, Mark Cuban's a great owner or whatever, but I feel like just in general, they're very incompetent when it comes like, like they don't seem to like always go for, it. I mean, you look at Dirk, right? Like, you know, Dirk after that championship team, I don't even think they made the playoffs for the next few years with him after that. I, they just, I feel like that's kind of been their MO. They're just really struggled with like putting the right team around their guy. And I wonder like how many years, you know, if, if they keep, you know, losing the playoffs, how many years is Luca really going to want to be there? Especially in this era. I mean, Luca's going to get to like 26 or 27, might not have a championship and be like, all right, like it's time to start getting some jewelry. And so I, I, I wonder like, are the Mavericks even going to get a championship out of this guy? We'll see. Mm. Very interesting to see that. Yeah, I mean, and like you got to hope that Kyrie Irving's more than you know, like a Monte Ellis was to the like later Dirk. You know, <laughs> like not he's not just like a scorer and can't do much else than that. You know, hope that he continues to be the guy that we've seen him be and be available, of course. But we'll get into that later. Uh, yeah. The first trade on this list that I really gave a bad grade to uh, was Russell Westbrook getting traded to the Rockets. Obviously, you know, Kevin Durant left OKC. Okay, we all know the story. Goes out, has a historic triple-double season, wins MVP. You know, goes out again, has another triple-double season. And then, you know, it's time for OKC to rebuild. They realize that, you know, Westbrook's taking a little bit of a step back. Paul George, you know, was a top three MVP candidate. But they weren't going to get anywhere at that roster. So uh, they go about Houston, wants to, you know, make a shot at it. Chris Paul didn't work for them because that is never going to work. So they trade Chris Paul, a 2021 first rounder, which ended up being Alprin Sangoon, which was uh, the OKC actually traded back to Houston, which I think they'll learn to regret that because he's been a great guy so far. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. 
2024 first round pick, top four protected, uh, and a 2026 first round pick, top four protected, and two pick swaps. Um, I give this a D plus for the Houston. I mean, they're lucky that they were able to get Alfred Sangoon back, so that kind of like helped factor in. But Westbrook did not was still oil and water when it came to Harden, just like Chris Paul was. I mean, Chris Paul was probably even better with Harden at this point. So uh, I had to give a D plus. And for OK, they almost got to the finals. I mean, they were so. So close to the yeah, that game mm-hmm. six against the Warriors. I mean, it came down to that. Well, game seven when they missed all the damn three points. Yeah, yeah. But um, mm-hmm. and then only a B plus for OKC. Uh, also, this is really heavy on the fact that OKC has a great track record. Uh, we'll get into it. They have, you know, I believe two more deals on this, or maybe no, they got one more deal on this list that I think is the best trade they've ever done, uh, involving another guy from that same uh, roster on the Clipper. I mean. Uh, Thunder. So, uh, Griffin, I'll start off with you. Uh, what do you think about this, you know? This yeah, I mean, definitely disastrous for the Rockets because definitely, like, Chris Paul was definitely a much better fit next to James Harden. I've always been of the mind that uh, that uh, Russell Westbrook is not a winning player, and that was kind of just – has been confirmed over and over and over again. But Chris Paul getting traded to OKC, them kind of starting their rebuild um, – uh, I, I like it for them, even though, you know, Chris Paul was there for one year, but they flipped that into more assets. They got the picks off of it. Um, yeah, again, they definitely do regret that Shangun uh, pick being traded back to him, but just com- disastrous for OKC. Uh, I mean, not OKC, to the Rockets. Disastrous for them because Westbrook and Harden did not work. Oil and water, like you said. So good, good trade for OKC. They've been Presti continued to being a wizard in the front office, just making really smart trades, uh, and this was one of them. Yeah, Carson, I mean, anything to add on this? Yeah, it was just such an uncharacteristic trade for Daryl Morey. I feel like he, you know, his track record in Houston was so, so good. You know, just making, like, really smart analytical moves. And this was just, to me, this was really just to keep Harden in Houston for another couple of seasons because, you know, we know that, you know, that's his guy. You know, obviously, Morey went over the Sixers and, and ended up getting Harden, too, so that, you know, that's his guy, and he was just trying to appease him. But, yeah, just really, really weird for him to do that, even just because it, it completely goes against his M.O. Westbrook is, like, the complete opposite of what Daryl Morey values in, in a player. And then uh, for OKC, I mean, I think getting Chris Paul, you know, was so important for – one, you know, I mean, them getting that that playoff experience. I mean, that team was really, really fun. That you know, that that twenty nineteen twenty team. I really enjoyed that team. But I think when you look at the long term effects of that trade, I think Chris Paul had such an important effect on SGA. I mean, we're seeing the repercussions of that now. I mean, SGA is thirty point per game guy, and I think Chris Paul just helped his development so so much. And I feel like that, you know, we're gonna look back and SGA will probably say it. And he's probably had said it like that was a huge, huge uh, moment for his career. But OKC not having Sangoon, oh, that just hurts. Because just imagine Sangoon on OKC right now. They'd be getting Chet back. They're going to get another pick, you know, next year. I mean, they would, I mean they're still going to – they're still really set up to be really, really good in the future. But just the fact that they could have Sangoon too, oh, my gosh. That would be insane. Yeah. The only thing I have to say about Sam Presti is the thing that bothers me is he – like a lot of times he just – gets these picks and keeps trading them and keeps trading them when like 
I feel like sometimes he just needs to make a move. Maybe there hasn't been a guy that he's like, maybe he's been waiting for this moment to, you know, hopefully like get a top five pick. And if it's not one trade, it's all of his assets to get a guy like one Bignana. You know, maybe that's been a, like, he's been playing the long-term game, but like to see like him pass up. I mean, we all didn't know Sengun would be as good as he is today, but like he was still a very intriguing prospect. And I imagine they know a lot more than what we do from the, you know, viewers eyes, but um, I think that's one, like one of his, you know, his, uh, what's it called? Like negatives as a GM is sometimes he just continuously plays this waiting game with trading back and trading back. But uh, wasn't there a report? I'm sorry. Cut you yeah, off. Go, no, go ahead. Was no, wasn't there a report? Uh, I think it was like two drafts ago. Remember there was the, the Shea and like the six pick for Cade and they turned it down. Like, I think he's tried, um, but I mean, thank God that trade didn't go through because that would have been that would have been pretty bad. But uh, yeah, I think that he's made an effort, but like, I think teams at the top are kind of stingy when you get the first pick. Like the allure of whatever that's going to be is maybe more important, more more likely or more more enticing than what however OKC can trade you in the future. Yeah, I don't think a single team would trade the first or even the second pick this year, honestly. I oh, think, no way. No way. I think you'd be a fool to move on for that. Yeah. It would have to be a King's Ransom. It would have to yeah. be a team that's just like a player like Wembenyama or Scoot couldn't move them high enough, so they need to mm-hmm. get more depth. But, like, I still think you'd be ridiculous to say no to either of those two stars. Mm-hmm. Um, this probably has one of the most biggest effects in NBA history, at least recent with this next trade, Anthony Davis to the Lakers. I mean, it's been a long time and people don't remember just how dominant Anthony Davis was in New Orleans. He was getting Hakeem Olajuwon comparisons to how dominant he was on both ends of the floor. Sure, he never had success that you wanted him to have, but his supporting cast was, I'd say, a less refined version of what New Orleans is today. You know, guys like Tyreek Evans and uh, Eric Gordon, and, you know, the bunches of those guys. Uh, so His second best player for, like, a playoff stretch was, like, Rondo. You know, yeah. Wait, Rondo. And Rondo's not a guy that, you know, is going to, like, help you so much offensively. So, Lakers, they receive Anthony Davis. Uh, Washington received some stuff, but we're kind of ignoring them in this because what they received didn't really turn out much. So, New Orleans is going to receive Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the fourth pick in 2019, which was traded, uh, which ended up becoming Jackson Hayes and Nikel Walker-Alexander, which they probably wish they took Darius Garland uh, and kept that pick. Uh, then uh, they got the 2022 first rounder, which became Dyson Daniels. I write the swap picks in this coming draft, which will likely be a lottery pick if the Lakers stay the way they've been, or who knows. Uh, and the 2024 pick, uh, with the right to defer to 2025, if so be. Um, and then kind of the other note, Josh Hart and Nikhil Walker-Alexander were the main pieces in the trade that acquired CJ McCollum. So uh, essentially they got two of their best players in Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum and a young guard with still left draft capital for Anthony Davis. I mean, Carson, start us off. Just like how crazy was this trade? Uh, I mean, this is arguably – I feel like this, and then, you know, we'll get to the Gobert trade later. You know, arguably the biggest – oh, and, and KD's too. I feel like just massive, massive, massive hauls. 
um, which, you know, was deserved. I mean, Anthony, you mentioned it, you laid out how dominant Anthony Davis was. He was one of those top, probably top five. He really was like top five guy. You know, you had to give up a ton to get him. And I think from the Lakers perspective, you know, considering how injury prone and how inconsistent Anthony Davis is and who knows what's going to happen with LeBron He's 38 years old. He's kind of laying out, uh, you know, the breadcrumbs that he wants to go somewhere else after, you know, the next decade for the Lakers might look awful, but they went all in similar to Kawhi. They went all in and they won a championship and, you know, the next decade, like I said, it's probably going to suck, but they got the championship and that's really all that matters. They got that bubble title. And I feel like we're going to look at back at the AD LeBron duo and be pretty disappointed considering how high of hopes we have for them, but they still will always have that championship together. And that's all that matters. And then for new Orleans, I mean, you know, the fact that they got Ingram out of this, I think like, you know, you get Lonzo, Ingram and Hart and that one of them ended up turning into an all-star caliber guy, I think is really, really important. That's that's always really what you look for um, when you're giving up, uh, you know, a guy like Anthony Davis. And yeah, you mentioned it, that number four pick, the what if with that, if they just keep that and take Garland is crazy. I mean, imagine throwing Garland on this team. I mean, I'm sure they, I'm sure they probably wouldn't have McCollum, but God damn it, I'd much rather have Garland. I would much rather have Darius yeah. Garland than, than CJ McCollum. I mean, you have Garland, B.I., Zion, and then, you know, you still imagine that they hit on all their draft picks, you know, the Herb Jones, the Trey Murphys, the Alvarados. I mean, their, their team, when they're healthy, is still really good right now, but just throwing Garland on that team, that just sounds absolutely crazy. And, um, yeah, this is – it really is – a wild, wild trade considering all that they uh, all that they got back. Tough look for Jackson Hayes because um, I'm not really the biggest Jackson Hayes guy. I mean, he kind of finds himself like in and out of the rotation. I feel like he's really like their their third big. He barely even plays, but um, just an incredible trade looking back. I still remember, I think I was in like Hawaii or something and just like looking down at my phone and seeing like the breaking news, Anthony Davis going to the Lakers. And my first thought was like, Holy shit, the LeBron AD pick and roll is going to be absurd. That, that was the first thing <laughs> in my head. Like, the pick and roll, the pick and roll is going to be insane. And like I said, a little disappointing, but they got the chip. It's all that matters. So, you know, Lakers still somewhat of a dub for them. Yeah. Griffin, dad? Yeah. Yeah, no. I definitely think this is one of the more even trades on the list that we've had so far and maybe even throughout the list. But, yeah, like, I think – both teams got exactly what they wanted out of this. You know, the Lakers, they got their championship and the the Pelicans, they got their restart. And now they're in prime position to, you know, probably make another a trade or a strike to get into championship contention. Uh, it didn't take them that long after this trade, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Them, you know, a no, totally. Like they they this was a complete like retool, not even like a rebuild, like a retool. They got exactly what they wanted out of this. The Lakers, they they'll probably end up looking at the like the losers out of this trade just because of Anthony Davis's health. Uh, he was probably a top five player up until you know when they won their championship, uh, and just injuries have derailed that team. So it's unfortunate to see for them, but yeah, I agreed with both your guys' points about how this trade went down. Yeah. So moving on, Paul George to the Clippers. 
you know, that second domino for Sam Presti that offseason. Uh, you know, you got to give a little credit to the Clippers here. I, I think if you don't have Kawhi going there, I think you could honestly argue it's like a D trade because of the what's happened from it. But I gave it a C only because they were able to get Kawhi. But the matter of fact is the Clippers haven't done anything with this. And uh, looking at it now, uh, OKC got the better player in this deal. I, I, it's, I think we can say now that Shea is probably either on par or better than Paul George at this point in their careers. Um and I know, Carson, I know you were a huge fan of this guy. I know Griffin and I talked about it when uh, the draft was going on this summer. Uh, they able to get Jalen Williams from this pick, uh, for, for the pick selections. And he looks like a guy I know Bill Simmons talked about it a lot. Like, he thinks this guy's got true all-star potential. He's a problem. He's gonna he be might a problem. be mm-hmm. like a Paul George, like, light for them. And I think even, like, a Paul George light, like, even if he's, like, Mikel Bridges, like, but a little bit worse on the defensive end, like, that's a home run for me. So, uh, want to start it off, Carson? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I think the max that this trade can go up to for the Clippers is a B, and only if they win the championship. Really, at this point, the only way to, like, even salvage salvage this trade somewhat is if they get a chip. And that's a massive, massive if. I mean, there's, like, eight different teams in the West right now that you could lay out a path for them to win the title, and I would, like, I could see it. The West is just... It's that close. It's that deep. There's so much variance. And that that's really it for them. That's really it for the Clippers. And you mentioned it. Yeah, you know, ended up getting them quiet. But, you know, there's a very high likely possibility. It's like, what would that even really, was it even worth it? Was that all, you know, because if they're not going to win, that was the whole point, to win championships. And it doesn't really look like they are. And then you look at the hall. I mean, like, just we'll get the SGA in a sec. I mean, Trey Mann. Really like Trey Mann. He seems like he's going to be like, you know, Jordan Clark's, you know, one of those like heat check guys. He, he you know, he can get buckets fast. Um, you know, we talked about Jalen Williams. I mean, Jalen Williams was giving the Lakers problems on um, on LeBron's record-breaking night. I mean, he was everywhere. He was doing everything. He was getting buckets, playing really good defense. And then you still have one, two, what, four more picks. Yeah, four more picks to go left. And on top of that, SGA, who, yeah, better than PG right now. And how many years is he younger than him? Like seven years, eight years younger or whatever. You, this, this like, might go down as one of, I, I mean, we'll see. I feel like the, the chair on top would be Oklahoma City, like, getting a championship with Shea or whatever. But, like, th- this will go down as, like, one of the greatest trades ever. Th- like, you know, this could maybe not, like, a Dallas Cowboys level because they went on, like, a dynasty run, but – this is one of the might be one of the best NBA trades ever in terms of like what OKC got for this. And, and who knows, maybe one of those, one of the 2024, 2026 first round picks could turn into like, you know, a, a top 10 guy or whatever. Like it could turn into like somebody serious. You, you never know because nowadays like it doesn't really matter where somebody goes. It's just if you get lucky and, and actually get the guy. So. Yeah. Griffin, I mean, I know Carson hit on a lot of points. Is there anything? Yeah. More? I mean, like, I think you like being way too generous with the grade for the Clippers. Like, this is a, a potentially all-time disastrous trade just because of the assets that they gave up. Like, today, I don't think you would see this – like, you definitely wouldn't see this trade now. But, like, giving up your the Clippers at the time, their best young player who looked promising 
and that first playoff run that the Clippers had in that first year that he had there, like you could see he had significant talent and plus giving up six first round picks is insane to me. And they haven't won and done anything in LA and they're not the, the, the Lakers. They don't have the name brand recognition in LA to bring in free agents. while you know, they have zero draft capital, right? Like, they're kind of screwed if they don't win a championship. And just like this is looking like one of the biggest fleeces in NBA history just because of the assets that OKC got back, right? Like Shea is like a potential MVP candidate, right? Like Trey Mann, a dog, Jalen Williams, Liam and I, we were on this during the draft. This dude is a, he's a stud, right? Like, and they have four more picks to go in this trade. That's insane to me. It's just, yeah, it's it's almost like unthinkable, like how bad the Clippers are probably going to be in a position if they don't win a championship off of this. Uh, yeah, it's it, this is yeah one of the biggest like dominoes. Like it's going to go like when you do, if you do like a thirty for thirty on Sam Presti and like how he's rebuilt this team. Like this is going to be like the longest segment of that documentary. He's talking about like how they were able to flip two guys that were aging stars to be able to get these, like, how on par is this with the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum trade? It might be up there. Cause like, if they hit, if Jalen Williams becomes even an all-star and they hit on a lot of more bench pieces, they already got Trey man. Like, yeah. Shay may never reach the Tatum top. I think I'd still take the Celtics one right now just because, you know, what the Nets got back did absolutely nothing. Like KG, Paul Pierce, the, the Nets didn't do anything. And at least the Clippers, you know, like, it's not like they've really done anything either, but... But they were, like, think we they were like agree. the playoff team. Exactly. Like, I think we can all agree, like, if Kawhi doesn't go down, like, I think there's a... The Clippers, you know, I personally probably would have picked them to beat the Suns the other year that you guys went. I, I feel like, you know, because the Clippers, like, the Clippers did give you guys a good fight without Kawhi, and I feel like throwing Kawhi in there, then it's like it's a 50-50, and who knows? You know, they could end up beating the Suns, could end up beating the Bucks. You know, a lot of what-ifs there, but they, you know, got a little unlucky with that. But I feel like they still done a little bit more than that Nets team did. And, like, Tatum and Brown, I mean, that's that's a decade of championship contention right there. And, you know, they could be the same for, who knows? They could be the same for OKC, but still a little too early to tell. But I like it, though. It could really pan out that same way. Yeah, and I think another trade that might as well be on that level, James Harden leaving Houston, demanding a trade. Uh, I was listening to Bill Simmons talk about this the other day, how Kevin Durant and James Harden, you know, put uh, Joseph Scott, their owner, in a FaceTime. Like, get me this guy. Go get me Harden. And they go out there. Brooklyn gave up a haul in, like, hindsight. Like, let's go over this. Brooklyn, they're going to receive James Harden. Houston is going to get uh, Rodion Curix, which is, like, he was, like, some European forward. I don't know if he plays at all. I think he might have gone back overseas. Dante Exum. So the players don't matter for Houston there. They get Brooklyn's 2022 first, which has turned out to be Tari Eason. You know, a guy who looks like he could be a very good defensive wing. Um, they have their 2024 and their 2026 first-round picks, all of those unprotected. 
Uh, then they had the right to swap with Brooklyn in 21, 23, 25, and 27, uh, which who knows how they could be uh, in these next couple of years with the way that Brooklyn's roster is constructed. Uh, and then they also got Milwaukee's 2022 first, which they ended up trading back to Milwaukee, which became Marjan Bochamp. But the Nets also traded Karis LeVert, who uh, now ended up back on ended on Cleveland. Uh, so basically, Indiana got a first round pick and some seconds from it, and Cleveland received Jared Allen and Torian Prince. And Jared Allen, he's still there with the, the Cleveland. He's one of the cornerstones of this team going forward. Uh, yeah. Let's just break this down. Like it's been a disaster because you can't give the Nets even like a little bit of improvement because the fact is they traded Harden and they significantly regressed by getting a broken player in Ben Simmons, which we always, I feel like we're talking about Ben Simmons when it comes to NBA on this channel, but it is what it is. Yeah, totally. Uh, Like Brooklyn, like to me in hindsight, they definitely get an F like you sell the farm for a player who immediately, like he only played 80 games for your franchise. He wanted out like after seeing what seems to be a lot of dysfunction in Brooklyn, uh, he very clearly didn't want to be there, you know, after a couple months uh, and wanted to dip. And you like this team didn't get a championship. Like a lot of the, a lot of talks were happening when Kyrie and Katie got traded, like talking about the what if of this team. And it, it was really like when that hardened trade happened, it's like, oh, my God, this is almost like a guaranteed championship team. And for them to just fall so flatly on their face is just unbelievable to me. Uh, Houston, what a haul. Like, you know, they did. It's not to me on the level of the, the OKC trade that we just talked about, just because they don't get that young star player that they could have built around. Um, and they definitely need some piece that they need to build around uh, in Houston because they have like no leadership uh, there. But they get so many picks. They have like, let me count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven picks uh eight they which they get you know the marjon bochamp uh, as well like they have so many assets going forward they're set up uh to have a pretty bright future it's just it's ridiculous to me that it this is definitely gonna be a learning lesson there's no way you know players are going to be able to like uh talk ownership into making trades like this anymore because of the disaster that happened in Brooklyn. It's just, it, it's definitely going to be a learning lesson for a lot of teams around the NBA. Yeah. And then Carson, uh, do you care to talk about this? I mean, I know you're a huge Jared Allen fan in this Cleveland. Like, let's talk about that for a second. Like the huge. Yeah. yeah that's what I was just going to bring up. They picked DeAndre Jordan over him, which is crazy. Disastrous. He survived because Nick Claxton has now become good, but still like that was a bad choice to make. I mean, yeah, I mean, they doubled down, like, you know, because they're like, okay, like, we're bringing in Harden, and DeAndre Jordan is, is one of their boys, so they brought him in to appease them. Like, yeah, what, what a disaster that was. What did Cleveland even give up to get Allen? I'm trying to, like... It wasn't, it wasn't a lot. They might have threw in, like, Axum in the trade and, like, that Milwaukee first, I'm thinking, but, like... I feel like they just gave him up. It might have been. It really wasn't for anything. No, I think I think you're right. I think it was Exum and maybe one of the these picks in there. Seconds that went to the Pacers, like something like that. Like it wasn't much at all. Like they did not throw in like anything valuable. Yeah, the fact that 
Cleveland just like jumped off the top rope and like, you know, came in and got Jared Allen for basically nothing. And now he, yeah, like you said, Liam is a cornerstone of, I think a team that we all agree, like will be in championship contention for the next like five seasons, you know, the way they set themselves up with Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, Allen. I mean, just that, you know, those four right there, it's just so crazy. I really, really value Allen. Um, I feel like he, he's the best version of a modern center that like, you know, doesn't shoot, right. He's not like a stretch big, but you know, without the shooting, he's the best possible version of, you know, everything else that the center's supposed to do. Um, so yeah, that's crazy that somehow Cle- as of right now, Cleveland ended up winning this trade because with Houston, yeah, they, you know, they have the draft capital. They don't have any young guy to point to. So we'll just have to wait and see, you know, one of these picks could, these picks could turn up into, you know, a bunch of role guys or whatever, or, or hopefully you know for houston's sake one of them ends up turning into a real real guy but just insane and just really the fact that brooklyn just such a massive l and now you know one brooklyn's in the dumps and two like houston like even more hype because all of a sudden you know brooklyn is washed i mean they, may, they might not even be that i mean there may be like a play-in team because they have a decent role guys but you're looking at the future of Brooklyn and like, man, these picks are just looking better and better and better for, for us if we're Houston. So that those are the two defining things for me. It's just like the draft capital and then Cleveland coming out of nowhere to just help, you know, solidify their championship bubble for the next five years, getting uh, getting Jared out. He's only like 24 years old. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And and they also got Karis LeVert eventually from this, which is even crazier because he's been a solid guy for them too. Um, yeah, I don't like him. I, he's not their long-term fit at the three, but I, I like yeah. him for them, you know, coming off the bench. And, and yeah, we don't get into that trade yet because uh, I didn't think we, it was big enough to talk about because I think this next one's crazier. But, like, that Donovan Mitchell trade has been a home run, I think, for both sides. I mean, both got all-star starters in this year's game. I mean, Lori Markin is just – we'll talk on that real quickly – Lori Markkinen's been fantastic for them this year. And yeah. we thought, I know we before, we didn't upload it because of everything that happened, but like we had a podcast, I think, was it us three or was it Jose Griffin? Uh, for Lori Markkinen? No, the NBA preview pod we did that we didn't upload. Yeah, I think it was me. No, was, was Jose, Carson, were you with us on that? I don't remember. I don't remember. But no, we talked about that. We talked about that trade, and we were like, like these guys, like Sexton and Markkinen, are definitely gonna be deadline guys, and like they've been fantastic for them, and like they're gonna finish at the bottom of the standings. But like, I mean, not the bottom, but probably like the eleventh seed or something. But surprised like, the guys didn't make more moves. To be honest. Yeah, but I thought like, they were just gonna sell the farm. But yeah, like they got rid of Conley, which I mean, I think they needed to do, and they got Westbrook, and they got they got that pick. Which we'll get into in a second, which is crazy. Yeah, that's Deep pretty pick. valuable. Being illustrious pick, which I think, yeah. if you know about the NBA, you know what pick we're talking about. So, <laughs> yeah. Great move yeah. Which we need to get into now. I think this has been the worst trade I have ever witnessed. I think it's going to go down worse than the Nets, you know, getting fleeced uh, and trading all of their assets for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. This is the Rudy Gobert trade. I mean, this is a guy who has been receiving criticism before he was traded, you know, for being the guy that was just aged out of the NBA, like his type of game. I mean, we saw him get exposed in the playoffs, you know, the way the Clippers were able to, you know, play five out and, you know, have guys like Terrence Mann, you know, 
be in the corner and try and have go bear guard him. And you go out there and you give a king's ransom for someone that is just like the metrics lie on this guy. You know, like people say like numbers like don't lie. Like the numbers lie when it comes to Gobert, in my opinion. And this is not, you know, 2010 or like the 2000s. This Timberwolves team would be great if it was then because you have like your young wing and Edwards and you have two dominant bigs, but that's not how it works. And Rudy wouldn't be getting exposed on the perimeter and pick and rolls. Yeah, so let's just dive into the trade real quick. Uh, So Rudy Gobert goes to Minnesota in exchange for Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Leonardo Boloroma. I don't think he's on their uh, team anymore. The rights to Walker Kessler, uh, the Timberwolves unprotected 23 first rounder, the 25, the 27th. Uh, their 2019 first round pick, top five protected, and the right to swap with Minnesota in 26. An absolute haul because this is only one swap. Everything else is a pick that they have on top of their own. Um, and, you know, they didn't get a young guy back that was, you know, like like what Shea was when he was traded or, you know, so on and so forth. Like you want that young guy. They always say in those trades like, like, oh, the Nets are looking for a young star in draft capital, like a veteran starter. You know, they, they just got some veteran guys. But Jared Vanderbilt was flipped, as we just mentioned, for the illustrious 2027 first-round pick. So, uh, Carson, I mean, I talked to the group about this earlier. I just want to hear your thoughts. Like, I think this is a straight F for Minnesota. They're going to live to regret this trade. And their their GM should be fired at this point, from what I believe. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the funniest part about all this is that, you know, A-Rod, you know, now he's in the front office and this is like, you know, like one of his first big moves, you know, now that he's in and it's just a complete disaster. I mean, the fact that Minnesota gave up an Anthony Davis level, you know, trade haul and trade package, you know, because this is the type of move that it's like you make this kind of move thinking that it's going to put you in championship contention with all the assets you give up. But the irony is that they're not, and honestly, they're not really that close. I mean, the Timberwolves are, you know, to me, middle of the pack. And, you know, I mean, you know, they played much better since Towns has, has been out. I think, you know, that's very telling. It's like, hey, Timberwolves, like, you know, maybe try and move this guy because, you know, just you guys are better without him. But the fact that they threw all this in for Gobert to not even be all that great, to be, you know, middle of the pack in the West – it's just crazy and you know it's one thing if you do this and Anthony Edwards is 27 28 years old the version of him that we all think he can be but he's still like 21 22 and he still has so much more room to grow and he's just not ready yet to you know who knows maybe that would flip it on you know in the playoffs or something who knows but I think we all agree he's just not ready to be that guy on a championship team yet and really just a disaster considering like everybody knew this like wasn't gonna work like everybody knew Gobert was fraudulent and Minnesota still did it anyways and you know I think that Minnesota will keep you know they will Minnesota you know I feel like that's just been their MO for so long they're just one of those NBA franchises that just continues to make dumb moves like this yeah and just the fact that Utah got the Lakers pick that's that's the crown jewel Yeah, and trading for trading D'Angelo Russell on top of those two other guys, and he's a negative asset at this point, uh, the way people view him. But Griffin, before I hand it off to you, like I imagine, like Utah is like 
what the Vikings like front office looked like when like Jalen Rager got selected by the Eagles and they're all like laughing like you let us get this guy like they're like you really are giving us this much for Gobert like thank you like I feel like they wouldn't even be able to get off him off their hands like I can't imagine what other teams were offering you know and this wasn't if anything this wasn't the team that he should have gone to I think he should have gone to Charlotte I think that would have been the best fit for them for him but again it's all business but Griffin I mean I know I mean, we talked about this. A buffoonery trick. Craziest. Like, the, the the Timberwolves front office needs to be drug tested. Like, it's actually insane how bad it is. Like, Rudy Gobert, we, like, every competent NBA team knows how to beat a Rudy Gobert-led defense in the playoffs. Like, you know, you just have to spread them out, and then you, like, it, like, it's so, like, every, the, the rule book is out on Rudy Gobert, and just to throw the... The Jazz turning that into seven first-round picks is insane to me. Like, what an insane fleece. It's it's really unbelievable how bad – and we were talking about this, like, new owner syndrome, but, like, Rudy Gobert is the guy that you go for? Like, the Suns gave up less for Kevin Durant. It's actually unbelievable. It's unbelievable how bad. Like, like, ev- like they should clear the clear out the front office, like – you guys cannot run an NBA organization ever. Like you have probably ruined your future. Like how are you going to like get assets to like get guys around Anthony Edwards now that you have like such low draft capital? Like it's just, it's really, it's so confusing. I, and I they don't in the trade market. I mean, go. Oh yeah. No, trade they is inflated the, the OG, trade market. Yeah. Yeah. That's they the inflated the trade, going, yeah. He was going for like three first round picks. Or exactly. Crazy. Like, yeah, I was going to get into that real quick. And then, like, first of all, like, when you're trying to, like, build a better, like, brand and business, like the Timberwolves were probably trying to do, like, you don't go out and get a guy like Gobert you waste all your assets on. Like, that's not going to bring more fans to the arena and make you more money is a business aspect. But, Griffin, what I was going to ask you, how much of an effect do you think this had on what Kevin Durant have ended up going for? I think in the summer it definitely inflated the market because, like, Kevin Durant was it's the only team, you know, sources are saying now that he wanted to go to was the Suns. And it seems like the market was inflated because of that. Uh, other teams kind of came in trying to offer, you know, something similar to what ended up happening, being the, the trade that ended up happening. And I think the Nets said no. And I think the Nets rightfully wanted to get more out of him because they saw what Rudy fucking Gobert got from, right? Like it, it's, it's crazy. And like, I mean, I would definitely try to get more if, if I'm seeing Rudy Gobert get that, like, give me, give me six first round picks and like a star. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, and it definitely inflated the market because Katie didn't get moved in the off season. Yeah. Like, do you think it could have been like, Aiton instead of Cam Johnson in that deal, like if it went down. In the yeah, no, no, I, that was my fear. It was going to be Mikel, Aiton, and like like the four first round picks plus three swaps. It was only one swap. Like it, it's crazy. Yeah, so let's, let's hop into it. I mean, yeah, you know, the biggest trade that has maybe happened in terms of a player ever. You know, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan hasn't been traded. LeBron hasn't been traded. Kobe hasn't been traded. You know, sure, like, I'm not going to date all the way back to, like, Kareem, but, like, it's a level of one of the top 10 players of all time being traded. And well, Shaq, Shaq was traded. 
yeah, 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 Shaq. But, like, this guy is one of the top three best scorers to ever play the game. Like, sure, like, LeBron's number one all time. But, like, pure scoring, like, everyone's going to take Durant 10 times out of 10. But, like, he didn't even go for as much in the calendar year, in, in the, the whole year span that other trades went for. So, uh, just for the trade, you know, Phoenix receives Kevin Durant in a reunion with TJ Warren. Uh, Brooklyn receives <laughs> Cam Johnson, Juan Pablo Valle. I don't even know if you knew who that was, Griffin. But I, I, did you mean Jay Crowder? I was confused. Oh, that's his name? No. Oh, I don't know who that is. I it think was, that's a fake person. It said it on there. I was like, who the heck is that? <laughs> no, no. Jay Crowder's. He's going to what, Milwaukee? He got yeah. Yeah, yeah but. The bigger trade was that, but I'm just narrowing it down. And then uh, a 2023 first from Phoenix, a 2025, a 2027, uh, the swipe, the swap in 28, a second from Milwaukee in 28, a 2019 first from Phoenix, and a 2019. So 2029 first from Phoenix and a 29 second round from Milwaukee. Uh, Griffin, I mean, we just got to pass the ball to you. You you take it away. Like, I want to know both, like, yes, which both ways of this trade because I have a lot of opinions as well, and I imagine Carson does too. It's, it's so crazy that something this good could happen to an organization that has been bet down so bad due to Robert Sarver. He was so cheap. This trade would not have been done if Matt Ishbia hadn't bought the team. Robert Sarver would not be able to go in the luxury tax because he is a cheap fuck. Uh, and, like, it's just unbelievable the offensive uh, capabilities that this offense now has. Uh, CP3, he's going to have not have to handle the ball as much as he has been which will take the load off of him in the playoffs, which will hopefully get him to CP1 ring. Uh, Devin Booker and uh, and uh, Kevin Durant at two insane mid-range level scoring threats, like t- probably the best we've ever seen in the league as, as a duo from the mid-range. This is going to open up Aiton in the paint. Like, no, like they're going to have to double KD or double Booker. Aiton's going to be free in the post to feast, and he has been feasting recently. Um, it's just upsetting that we had to give up the Twins. I love Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson so much. They did so much for the culture in Phoenix um, in the Valley. Like, it's it's really sad to see. Mikel Bridges, he was taking a leap offensively this year uh, when uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker were out. Uh he was able to handle the ball more, facilitate, even uh, drive a little, pull up from mid. Like he's starting to develop that into his game. And I, I told Liam this over the phone a couple of weeks ago that I think he's probably an all, like a possible All Star next year just because of the developmental leaps that he's been taking. Cam Johnson, what an incredible three and D player. Um, and I think this is a genuine, pretty good haul for Brooklyn. But it's confusing when you look at what they got for Kyrie. And asking what happened there because they could, it seemed like they could have gotten more for Kyrie uh, in terms of a rebuilding package if they wanted to blow it up with Kevin Durant. Um, so overall, I'm just so ecstatic that the Suns are in this position where they are able to compete for a championship again. Because, like I said earlier in the podcast, I thought I thought it was wraps. I wanted us to blow it up, um, but now it's just like Aiton's playing 
the best ball he's ever played. Devin Booker's just coming back from injury. Chris Paul has been playing a lot better. He just had 15 and 19 last night. Like he's still a Hall of Fame level point guard. And you're adding Kevin Durant to that. Also, welcome back, Tony Buckets. We're happy to have you. Um, but yeah, it's just it's so exciting. Uh, I can't I can't believe it. I'll I'll throw it to you guys. Yeah, Carson. Um, well, before I give like some quick thoughts, I just want to ask Griffin, like, what's like the what's like the discourse amongst Suns fans when it comes to Matt Ishbia? Like, is he like the second coming of Jesus yes. now? I mean, like, yes. what, like, 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 how is like everyone must be just like so ecstatic that you go from Robert fucking Sarver to this young, you know, upstart, you know, tons of energy owner that like seems to like, I mean, he literally played college hoop. I mean, well didn't really play that much but like, yeah he played for like you know he that, what's the discourse on that how are you guys feeling robert about robert sarver was a bottom five owner in like probably any league and he was so cheap he sold our g league team because he didn't want to pay like we don't have a g league team now because of robert sarver matt espia <laughs> already said he's gonna bring that back he's going deep into the luxury tax robert sarver only went i believe it was 16 million in the luxury tax in his whole like tenure with the Suns, and now Matt Ishby is already forty five in. Like he is about it. Like it's just so good to have like competent owners. Like to watch a team have a competent owner who had none. Like for so that's long, awesome, it just man. feels so that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what Joe Lacob does for us. Shout out the yeah, man. I was just gonna say because. We- We've been blessed with that. Like, it's nice having an owner. Like, you know, these guys have so much money. Like, the least they yeah. can do is pour some. Yeah, no, it's like, it's like, team. why would you own a team if you're not going to, like, put yeah. all in? Like, it made no sense to me, and I'm just happy. Happy Matt yeah. Ishby's there. And, and especially with awesome. like, a guy like Lacob, like, we know he's making his huge ROI. Like, I don't care how much money he pays in luxury tax. Like, to own the Golden State Warriors, which, shout out, they've passed the mix on Forbes by, like, a mile now. Like, he's making his ROI. But Carson, you know, falls in your court. Yeah, I want to get Brooklyn out of the way. I mean, they got everything that you could have wanted. If you're trading a guy like Kevin Durant, I feel like the trade haul was was great. I mean, what is it, six, seven picks? Um, You know, just crazy. Um, And they also have a young guy that they can point to. You know, that's been like a theme of this episode. Like, you know, if – you do or don't get like the young guy also in the trade that's like ready to go now and someone you can kind of build around. I think Mikel Bridges fits that bill. You know, at worst, he's, you know, a borderline all-star, you know, really great three and D guy, like at worst. And and he's still so young. He still has, you know, a lot of stuff that he can add to his game. And then Cam Johnson's also too. So great for Brooklyn to get, you know, that kind of package back, especially considering, you know, all the BS that happened, you know, in in the KD, Kyrie, you know, I guess Harden era too. So good for Brooklyn getting a good trade haul. And then for Phoenix, yeah, I mean, this could really be, this could really, really be something special. And and we're blessed as NBA fans that we got, you know, a massive trade. I feel like this is like the kind of trade that we yearn for every trade deadline and we actually got it at, you know, Liam, for you, it was probably like one in the morning. For me, I was about to go to bed. It was like 1030 at night. Well, I wake up, I get like, a, I have 50 text messages on my phone. Like, I don't ever have that. And it's just like, people are like, what the hell? Like, Kevin Durant? Yeah. Like, Griffin's like, Griffin just sends me these fucking text messages. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I was freaking out.
my couch. I'm like half asleep. I'm like, you know, about to go to bed. I'm like, whoa, like, holy shit. And yeah, I mean, Griffin, you talked about the offense. I mean, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, I mean, that has to be the best duo in the league now, right? I mean, I, well, I mean, Brown and Tatum, I'd still probably give it to them, but I mean, this has to be right there, right? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. top two, top three, you know, I can't wait to see them fully healthy. I'm super, super excited. Hopefully Durant can get back soon. Just Durant and Booker, just, you know, the two of them, you know, I know Durant's been a big fan of Booker's, you know, since he got in the league. I think the real question mark and the thing that's going to unlock this team and decide if they win a championship or not, obviously health, but two is Aiden. I mean, you know, Aiden's been playing really well. He's the wild card. It's like, can he, you know, step up and, you know, really just do what he did in the finals run? Because I thought, you know, obviously, you know, Giannis, you know, showed him who's boss. It's, It's fucking Giannis. You know, can't really do much about that. But I thought he was fantastic leading up until the finals. And if he can find that again through all the looks that he's going to get from Booker, Durant, and CP3, that and health, this is a championship team. And you guys are right there now. Feel pretty bad for the Nuggets because it seemed like this was going to be the Nuggets year. And all of a sudden, it's like now they got to deal with KD and the Suns in the Valley. And I'm very, very excited to see this team and the offensive potential. Yeah, for your Aiden point, sorry, sorry, Liam. Aiden's been playing like that the past 10 games. He's really, it seems like he's he's actually, his mentality's changed. And I've said that every playoffs. Aiden has always been the key. Like, you know, it sucks in that finals run. Like, we didn't really have a backup center. It was only Aiden. But now I think, like, it's it's only going to, I think this is only going to help him because the attention's going to be shifted to the like possible like three Hall of Fame players that you already have on the roster, and now Aiden's just going to be left alone in the paint to feast. Like it's just, I think this is going to do nothing but good things for Aiden's career. And also, you guys, you guys are going to be the number one destination to get like whatever top buyout guy there is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we, you know, the media like and just fans, we kind of like we kind of hype up the buyout guys a little too much because it's kind of rare you actually get someone that really you know does a lot for you, but there's going to be at least one or two decent guys out there that are going to get, because I'm not really sure, you know, I'm not really liking your guys' depth too much, but when you have a foursome like that, you know, at some point it doesn't really matter what you have behind that. I mean, as long as they're, you know, and also the bench is going to shrink in the playoffs anyway. So the best guys will rise to the top. Like, and also, like, Josh Kogi, like, he's been playing really good recently. I think he's going to be our fifth starter, like, good three and D. Like, he's developed his three-point shot so much since he's been in Minnesota. He's shooting 45% from three right now. I think he'll be our fifth starter. TJ Warren's just a bucket off off the bench. Like, we just got Darius Baisley. I think he's, he's going to be a great three and D guy as well. Like, I, I'm really – I think – yeah, I think it's going to be – I think it'll be okay. I think our bench is going to be maybe a little underrated even. Yeah, I think a great guy for you guys to try and go out and get would be Pat Bev, just to have that veteran guy off a of bench. Yeah. I mean, like, you hate to play against him. You love to have him on your team. Just Chris uh, Paul and him might actually, like, fight each other every game off the bench. Yeah. yeah. They just have and so much beef. Would... I don't know if they can overcome it. Shout out that podcast, bro. I love that Pat Bev talk. It's pretty Every good. clip I see on like YouTube shorts or whatever is, is always good. No, yeah. Those guys are good. Um, so let's dive into – I mean, we just touched on Durant. Let's dive into the other trades uh, from this deadline. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of just go through the ones that I saw first. So 
Eric Gordon returning back to the Clippers. Kind of funny. We just kind of talked about that earlier in this episode. Um, the Clippers receiving Eric Gordon three seconds, and uh, the Rockets get John Wall. They get Danny Green, who's already out in Cleveland, and uh, a protected pick swap. And the Grizzlies get Luke Kennard, a really interesting piece in this. Um, funny John Wall, he's going to get released and, you know, be a buyout candidate. But uh, it's so funny because he was talking smack on those boys. <laughs> he's like, we were starting a dude named Justin Patton. And, like, now he's back on that roster. But there's no way he steps foot in that facility. But, uh, Carson, I mean, let's talk about this Luke Kennard factor because I know you're a big Grizzlies guy. Uh, what do you think he does for that team? Because uh, there's no problem with having more wings on that roster. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's a nice pickup for them. And I think, you know, the Grizzlies, you know, the Grizzlies and the Pelicans were the two teams that I really wanted them to make moves because I'm very high on their potential. And it was definitely disappointed because they really didn't do much at all. Whereas I feel like almost every other team in the West did something to improve. Um, you know, obviously the Suns you know, massively improved. But I feel like for the most part, all of the other contemporaries in the West did something. And the Grizzlies Pelicans didn't do too much. I like Kennard on this team as shooting. Um, as for the Clippers, I feel like the Clippers definitely got better because they basically turned Kennard um, and um, John Wall into Gordon, Bones Highland, and uh, they got Plumlee too. So I definitely think that the, uh, the Clippers are better. Um, so I'm interested to see that. But uh, and, and also, I do like Danny Green going to Cleveland too. You know, put another adult in the room. Uh, you know, he's solid. Yeah, another. Re- a lot of coming homes. A lot of coming home for random players. So yeah, I like what the Clippers did. And three guys in that trade came back to where they uh, like were at a previous stop in their destination. Two guys where they started their careers. Another guy just going back to where he was. Uh, we need to dive into this one. This is a huge one that we had. Wiseman. Finally ends his saga in Golden State. You know, we pulled the plug on the project. You know, the former number two overall pick. Going to go down as one of the biggest what-ifs. What if they took LaMelo Ball? What if they took goddamn near anyone in that draft besides Wiseman? He's going to Detroit. Another reclamation project for them. Their second number two overall pick that they've traded for in the last year, I believe. Uh, And we get Gary Payton III after some complications. You know, he's going to be back probably around playoff time, uh, you know, if we continue to get up to those rankings, uh, you know, with Steph's injury. The Hawks get a finesse in Sadiq Bay out of this, and uh, the Blazers get Fortnite suit Kevin Knox in some uh, future first, uh, second round. Fortnite suit. Uh, let's just dive into this Wiseman thing. I think we could have a whole damn episode on this, but, like, what are your thoughts, like, the whole saga and everything like that? It really is a shame because I was really, really excited when we got Wiseman because I feel like that's been like the one kind of player that, you know, we as Warriors fans, we've always wanted and and missed. It's just like a super athletic, you know, you know, rim running big because, you know, I love Looney. You know, he's an Iron Man. He gets a ton of rebounds, even though I have no idea how he does it because he can't jump over a piece of paper. Um, I I really like the thought of him as, you know, complete opposite, a change of pace from Looney. With that being said, it just, we needed him to be, you know, 
what I, I think we still well let's just get this out of the way I, I feel like we both agree that Wiseman will end up being a good player we don't think that he's going to be a bust it was just the wrong fit you know we we needed you know we needed someone that could play right away and he's just you know it's going to take him a few years and hopefully you know he ends up being a, a good lob threat and a good you know teammate with a with Cade, I wish him the best. And it's just a shame that he couldn't be ready to go right away. We, we couldn't get him as what his potential could be. Um, with that being said, you know, getting GP2 back is huge. You know, bringing back a little bit of that, you know, that magic from last year. He's a great locker room guy for us. Really, really sucked when he left. Just feels a little counterintuitive that we basically had to give up Wiseman to just get him back. But, I mean, that's just how the money worked. I really wanted Sadiq Bay though. I really wanted Sadiq Bay on the Warriors. I'm going to be honest. I really wanted him. He had that game winner on us a, a couple months ago. I really wanted him. I'll take uh, GP2 for sure. Um, but I was, I mean, we were texting about it. Like when we saw that Sadiq Bay might be coming, we were excited because I feel like we're definitely, we're definitely in the Sadiq Bay camp. We're definitely on, you know, the warmer side of, of, of liking his game. I, I think he's really solid. He's young too. He dropped 50 last year. I mean, like, this is a guy like they, the Pistons told him to stop playing as much basketball and training as he was because he was locked in like that. And like, I hate to sound cliche, but like, that's that dog mentality you want in the play, you know? And like, oh, when you sent those rumors out, I know we were in that group, we were in that group chat. We're like, no way. Like, there's no way he ends up. With yeah, that, that would have been awesome. I mean, Gary Payton, like, you love to see him come back. I think we were all devastated when he left this offseason. You know, get your bag, man. Like, get your money up. But he gets to get his money up now back on our team, uh, which I love to see. And with the Wiseman thing, like, like we, like, we, what were your expectations when he was drafted? Because, I, like, I truly thought that he could be, like, like, it's, like, key of a piece is, like, prime DeAndre Jordan kind of was but like almost with a jump shot, like when he was on the Clippers, like that's how high sky high expectations I had. Like, what were you thinking? Yeah. I, same. I thought he was someone that, you know, at worst he's catching lobs, he's protecting the rim. And, you know, you saw it from his high school tapes a little bit in college, like definitely had some, there's a lot of untapped like guard skills, you know, had nice touch around the rim, had that, you know, the, the jumper is solid you know, kind of handle it a little bit. And I think, you know, he just wasn't ready basketball wise. Um, and he just, you know, came into a system that's, that's very, very complicated. And it just, you know, was a little much for him, but yeah, I mean, I think DeAndre Jordan, like as a, as a ceiling, as a peak, I, I think that's, I think that's a really, really great comp. Um, it's funny that they're both, you know, left-handed too. Mm. Um, I really like that. It's just, um, it just sucks that, it, it, you know, if and I think when that gets realized, it's not going to be on our team, you know. And, and, but this was a move that we had to make because we just, you know, our, our windows now, and, and we really can't as much as the, the front office wanted to. We just, you know, couldn't wait around for him. I'm glad we didn't give up Kaminga though, because out of those two guys, much rather have Kaminga. Yeah, much, much and uh, I'm kind of. I'm wondering what's going to go on with Atlanta this offseason because I imagine Bogdanovich is going to have to be on his way out, that Sadiq Bey is supposed to fill that role because I couldn't see them trading DeAndre Hunter. So that's another, like... I, I think Hunter's someone that they keep. Yeah, I I like Hunter a lot. Yeah, so we can just kind of go through these next ones pretty quickly. I mean, we touched on it. Suns, they trade uh, Sarich in a second for Baisley. 
think we both agree, like, Sarge good upside off the edge for them and, you know, a good bench piece for Phoenix. And um, this is a big one, though. The Lakers going out and getting Mo Bamba and a solid 3D wing from the U himself, Devon Reed, in a second. Uh, what do we – and L.A. getting Bones Highland out of this deal. I mean – I know you've been a big Bones guy ever since his rookie season. So, like, what are your thoughts with, you know, Clip, the Clippers and the Lakers here? Yeah, for the Clippers, I, I really like it because I feel like, you know, Bones is just a younger, cheaper, and, and honestly better version of uh, of Reggie Jackson, who he got dealt too, right? He's gone? Yeah, he's uh, in uh, Charlotte now. Whew. Tough spot for him. Um, <laughs> it's like NBA purgatory right now. That in Houston. Um, so I, I like it for the Clippers a lot. It's just basically you know getting a better version of Reggie Jackson, someone that could just come in and drop 20, 30 off the bench. Um, and and just I feel like just didn't really fit you know what was going on in Denver, it, which is tough because it's weird you know letting go of a guy like that that's so young and, and has shown so much promise. But you know Denver, I feel like. Similar to just Wiseman, it's like, you know, obviously Bones has shown more than than Wiseman, but just doesn't really fit what the Nuggets are trying to do right now. Uh, that being said, with the Nuggets, I mean, well, first of all, the Lakers turning Thomas Bryant into Mo Bamba, like, that's just two steps backwards to me. I don't get that at all. But for the Nuggets, I love it. I mean, I feel like, to me, this was my favorite, like, on the fringe move because the Nuggets, like, one weak spot to me was, like, their backup center. Like, you can't – you're not playing DeAndre Jordan in the playoffs. Thomas he, Bryant – Yeah. Hell no. And Thomas Bryant is a great backup center. I, I think Bryant was, like, one of the best things about the Lakers this year. I think he was really, really solid. I think Lakers fans really liked him, and it's going to be tough to see him go. Just solid, good touch around the rim. He's high activity. And I think he's going to be really, really solid for the Nuggets and was definitely, like, the missing piece, you know, for sure in that rotation. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact was that they weren't able to, you know, retain Bryant on that, you know, mid-level exception again that they brought him in with. So, like, I think that's what ended up happening. So, we'll move on. The Westbrook trade, it comes to an end in L.A. I mean, you know, we, we could dive into this trade forever. But, you know, Westbrook, you know, ends his saga. He heads off to Utah, expected to be a buyout candidate following the All-Star break as he considers his options. Um, the Lakers, they bring back D'Lo. They get Malik Beasley. And Jared Vanderbilt had a hell of a debut against the Warriors the other day. Uh, I tuned into that game. Uh, he's, I think, I mean, if, he's not a guy that a lot of people know about just because, like, he's played in a lot of small market areas. But, like, he's well, – though. They'll know him. They'll know him soon enough. Uh, the Timberwolves, they get Conley, Nikhil Walker-Alexander in three seconds. And the Jazz get uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Jones, Westbrook, and that 27 first, which we talked about earlier. Um, Carson, uh, I'm going to start off. Do you think the Lakers, like, how big are these moves for them? Um, I, I honestly, I think it's pretty solid. I mean, I actually, like, considering that they – you know, besides the pick, the pick didn't really give up all that much to get three pretty solid rotational guys. I mean, you know, D'Lo is actually having somewhat of a decent season. It's just really like if he's your starting point guard, eh, but if he's going to be, you know, 
if he's like the fourth or fifth option or whatever, you know, somewhat solid. Beasley, he check guy, and, and Van, to me, Vanderbilt's the the best part of this trade. If you're the Lakers, he's someone that could actually like contribute, you know, to win games. Um, Timberwolves, I like Conley. You know, you know, I feel like they're like doubling down on the Gobert trade, just getting someone that, you know, you know can play well with Gobert. And and as for the Jazz, I mean, the fact that they just you know have Westbrook on their team, they're you know, if you if you keep him, you know, he'll just help you tank. If you let him go, you know, let him go in the buyout market. The fact that they got that Lakers pick is crazy. But I think the big thing is like just what a disaster the Westbrook era on the Lakers was. Just really was a, a massive, massive disaster. And yeah. from the start, I feel like every, for the most part, people were really on that. Uh, and he was having a decent season, at least when he was like, you know, off the bench. Like he was being, a, he was a six man of the year candidate. And uh, yeah, he'll be good for a team. If I mean, I don't know what team would end up with him, but like, I mean, Griffin, is there any teams that come to mind like that you think Westbrook uh, would? People have said the Bulls and stuff, but like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, what does that do for you? You know, there's been some chatter around the Suns, but like KD and Westbrook being reunited, I don't, I don't see that being realistic at all. Right. Like, so. Yeah, I don't I would, know. I would love Miami. Miami if, like, Kyle Lowry was just shut down for the whole year because I think Gabe Vincent would do well in, like, a 20th, like, six-minute-a-game starter role and, like, have Westbrook come in for those other minutes because they need a little bit of juice on that team. I know they've been on a roll lately, but, like, eh. They still need- yeah, I'd like I wouldn't, to I wouldn't mind game. that. Yeah, I think that would that'd be a good fit, but I mean, Spolstra would definitely get pretty annoyed with him, considering <laughs> like his his defensive effort and and miscues. Exactly, uh, and then Pertle he goes back to the rap. I mean, the Raptors where he was traded from. Or, literally earlier in this podcast, we talked about it. Uh, Ken Birch, you know, a solid uh, young center, and then a twenty four first, twenty three second, and a twenty five second. I mean, is there much to say about here? I think we got other trades yeah, to talk about. Okay, well, real quick, I don't know why the Raptors even did this, though. Like, they, they kind of zagged, and, like, we all thought they were just going to, like, dump players. But then Yeah, I don't know. It seems like they think they can maybe contend next year. But, like, I don't know. It just seems, like, short-sighted. Like, you're you're not that good where you – like, I don't think they're a move away. I think they're, like, a couple moves away. And – it, it, yeah. This does make them better, um, but I don't know. I don't really, I don't really understand it. I don't yeah. think like Siakam, like he's clearly their best player. I don't know if he's enough to like lead him like far. Like they no, no. Who could they use? Kawhi. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that who knows? That team, if they don't do anything, like Kawhi might just say F it. Well, when they get five picks for OG and Anobi, you know, maybe they could flip that for something. Yeah. He's the most random dude right now. Like, mm-hmm. I thought he was gone. Like, who didn't think he was gone? But uh, Kyrie to the Mavericks. I mean, we've already seen it already. He shined in his home debut against the Clippers. He's looked like he, he's looking real solid so far on this team. Uh, but Kyrie and Markeith Morris, the Mavericks for Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, who I know is a channel favorite, uh, uh, 29 first and two future seconds. Uh, Griffin, uh, let's start us off. What do you think about this trade? I mean, I guess I like it 
uh, it's going to be interesting to see because this is something I've been curious to see uh, Luca play with another star and kind of give up some of the control. Can he do that? Um, but like, I feel like I've been a basketball fan and watched a lot of basketball long enough to realize, like I've seen this before with Kyrie, like him going to Boston, you know, initially, you know, people being super excited, then eventually the wheels will fall off uh, in Brooklyn, same story. So I'm kind of just waiting for that to happen. Not that I wouldn't like, like to see them succeed. Actually, I don't want them to succeed. I'm a Suns fan, but like, it's uh, like, it could be interesting, like a hundred percent. If these guys buy in a hundred percent and, you know, they learn how to play with each other. Sure. I can see where they were coming from here, but they definitely got a lot worse defensively with losing Dorian Finney Smith. Um, and like, I, we kind of mentioned this before. Don't love this for the Nets just because this is more of like trying to still contend or trying to be a playoff team. And I feel like you could have gotten more assets from somewhere else, but you know, this is the trade that they made. So you guys have any other thoughts? Could have been a three team though. I think they yeah. needed picks instead of Dinwiddie and Finney Smith. Yeah, I agree. Because the Nets are like the greatest assimilation of role players like you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, that roster has like a million damn like wing players. Yeah, like, the Nets are just like the so jazz many of wings. the East. Like what? So you got Dinwiddie, you got Cam Johnson, you got Mikel Bridges, you got Finney Smith, you got uh, Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas, you got Claxton, you got uh, they have some other guys. Paris, Seth Curry. Paris, Seth Curry. Yeah. This is a random group of people. Utah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, – yeah, shout out Utah. He's been a great shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. But we'll see how this trade pans out. Like, the Mavericks can make another Western Conference final. I think it's I think it's a great trade for them. Uh, don't even think it needs to be a, a home run. But – because they didn't give too much up in retrospect. Cause no. No. Just a first. And They're Finney- just not great defensively now, though. Like, mm-hmm. Dorian Finney-Smith was by far their best defender. Like, I don't know, in a in a, in a a series against the Suns, who's guarding KD? Like, who's who's guarding Booker? Like, one of those two. Like, like Lucas probably. Are you putting Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I know. Like, it just definitely makes them worse defensively. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh- and then the Lakers, I think, might be their best pickup from this deadline has been Ryu Hachimura, uh, you know, coming in from the Wizards for Kendrick Nunn, shout out Polo G, and uh, <laughs> 28 second, and 29 second. I mean, uh, this is kind of a weird segment to go on, but, like, Kendrick Nunn was one of the biggest failure projects, like, going to the Lakers. Like, this guy was great on the Heat. And then he goes over to the Lakers, like, we're like, oh, wow, he's going to be a great, like, option. Like, he's going to be the starting point guard. And, like, he's a throw-in in that deal. Like, rewatch more. Like, you could have done that trade with just two seconds. It's probably just the cap space that needed to happen. But, I mean, Carson, what do you think of Ryu? Because I think he's looked solid so far. Yeah, I mean, for the Lakers, I really like it because you're getting, like, you're getting someone that helps – contribute to winning like a, a solid role guy for basically giving up nothing you're basically getting Rui for free so it's not like none was really doing anything the picks you know they don't matter for the Lakers at all so yeah I, I like it he's been he's been solid um you know solid solid fringe move um by the Lakers but I feel like with Rui, D'Lo, Beasley, Vanderbilt 
I just still don't think it, it, I just still don't think they have it. Uh, it's really just like unless AD turns into the guy he was like what was it like three months ago or whatever where he was on like a bender at the start of the season. I just still don't think it really matters. But for what it was, solid move. Yeah, and Griffin. I mean, I can touch on that. Yeah, I, I, I like I like Rui. Rui's been playing good on the Lakers. I've liked what I've seen so far from him, giving up basically nothing. So yeah, uh, I just I also don't love the Wizards. Like, I don't really understand what they're doing. Like, we've said this for multiple. So mid. Like they're <laughs> just the middest team ever. Like, I just don't understand. Every time we talk about like a trade deadline or the draft, like I don't get. I, I just don't get it. But like, I like Rui, so good for the Lakers. Yeah, I think just like one of the weirdest like teams in the last ever since John Wall left, like. I think ownership is just – They're just in no man's land. They're scared. Like, yeah. who, like, gets excited, like, yo, let's pull up to the Wizards game. Like, I can't imagine anyone in the DMV. Not school. a single soul. Like, they probably – like, as prevalent as basketball is there, because, like, the high school game there is really, pre- like, relevant. Like, they probably want to go to high school games more than they want to go watch, like, Kyle Kuzma drop 30. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not an interesting team, and, like – that team needs to get bought out because, unfortunately, like, Washington sports is uh, a dead zone. Ever since the Nationals won that champ, that chip, like, they've been downhill. You lose Soto. You lose uh, – what is it called? Uh, the, the, the commanders have just been mid. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Law leaves. And uh, it's been so up and down trying to get players to Washington. You're not going to be a free agency destination. Despite being the damn capital of our nation uh, – it's hard to attract talent there, but so be it. I mean, that is what it is. But uh, any other things to mention before we hop on, uh, on this, you know, crazy trade podcast? I don't know. Does this trade any, uh, change anything for you guys' uh, championship picks? I think Boston's still my pick, at least to come out of the East. And mm-hmm. I need to see some more. I need to see KD, like, probably, like, a five-game sample size where I can make the true decision. Because okay. I might have the Nuggets, honestly. I think the Nuggets could still pull something out. Yeah, I, I think it does. Aiden can guard Jokic. He has in the playoffs. Aiden is the Jokic stopper. I'm going to be honest. Like, he's the guy who can guard Jokic. Like, in the playoffs when, jo- like, Aiden was good. Like, I'm just going to be the guy to say it. And for the Nuggets, it's like, you know, you only have, like, Aaron Gordon Gordon can only guard one of Booker or Durant. And, I mean, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. has the length and the size for Durant, but. You're going to look at him like food. Yeah, he's food. Um, I think the East is still the same for me. It's it's Milwaukee or Boston still um, with the Sixers, like, kind of being a wild card, but I just don't trust their. I don't trust the Embiid, Harden, Doc Rivers pairing. I mean, they've just time and time again proved us was wrong. Um, yeah, I, I, so Nuggets, Suns, I think that's – I feel like every year we get, like, an ideal, like, Western Conference Finals matchup, and I feel like that's the one this year. It's like that mm-hmm. I really want to see. I really want That'll to be see a Nuggets. fun matchup. I really want to see Nuggets, Suns. And it might not even be in the Western Conference Finals, just considering, you know, where, like the seeding can be all crazy. Well, if it, if it's not going to be the Warriors, of course, I would, I would want to see them in a playoff series. The Warriors just seem like injuries are just going to keep us away this year, which 
It really, I don't know. The mojo's weird on our team, man. We've seen our success. I think it's, it's, I'm fine with a down year, you know? Like, yeah. Maybe retool next year. You know, we'll see. I still feel like we got a couple more years in the window. Oh, no, 100%. But, like, Thompson, who knows with him now? And Poole needs to calm his cockiness down. But that's a whole, that's a whole other story. Don't do it. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast, bro. <laughs> Don't get me started. Oh, my gosh. All right, all right, well, we appreciate you guys all for listening. Uh, we'll have a little Instagram slides of all like these trades, what we're talking about. I'll probably have a little article posted with all the evaluations I did. So appreciate you guys all for listening. Coast Coast Podcast. Sign out. Peace.